are listening to Power Producers Shop Talk, where we are refining and redefining the sales game by equipping you with the tools you need to differentiate yourself in the marketplace. Well, it's like when we audit the mod with Magic and give them the action items that they're going to use to lower their total cost of risk. Tactical skills that will help you provide deliverable value to your clients and prospects. Technology is not an expense, it's an investment. Look at what ThinkHR has done for our clients and even our team. It's an amazing product and I'm so thankful we have that. And action items that you can provide to take your prospects and clients to the next level. Things are changing for us in 2021. Not all big business anymore. Now that we have Cover Wallet on our team, it's amazing that we're going to be able to write small business profitably. This is Power Producer Shop Talk production redefined are you ready to feel the power hey everybody welcome to power producer shop talk where we are refining and redefining the sales game today we once again i forgot to say it on episode three have mr steven sedlak with us and of course the beard hmm. that's right super super pumped got the new new jordans new i'm Jays. actually like when I'm going to go and find those exact Jordans because I need those in my life. Yeah, yeah, dude. They're legit. My, these are my Bucks Jays. The only thing, be... I don't know. I, I would have to see it both ways to know, like, would I like that swoosh to be red? Or would I like that swoosh to be black or a different color instead of having it be white? I, I don't know. Either. Yeah, I, I will say on the, I'm, the the Nike app is awesome because and you can't do it with Jordans, but they've got other shoes. Like, I've custom-made yeah. yeah, shoes. And... um. And it is super cool. I made some for my wife for Christmas or bir- her birthday or whatever. And um, it, 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 if nothing else, it's fun and and um, therapeutic. Even one might say. Yes, yes, it is. Sometimes I design Jordans and just never buy them, just so that I can <laughs> right. design them and relax. You there know? you go. It, that's the God's honest truth. I've bet you I've designed three or four pair of Florida mm-hmm. Risk Partners Jordans, and they never turn out. Like there's that one part that you just can't get it. They, the the options not there to make it the color you want to make it. Mm-hmm. So, yep. but then there's these other places that are aftermarket that you can just buy the Jordan. They they buy the Jordans and they make them whatever you want them to be. Yeah. They can. My concern with that is, it, well, if, if you buy them and, and they customize them, that's a different story. But if you're buying them from them, you might show. They might show up with uh, with Jordan looking like he's about forty pounds heavier than he actually is. Yeah, I love that. Um, by the way, I love a good counterfeit replication of like when I was in. So when I was in junior high, you know, here in where in Brandon, where I live, Brandon Valrico area, it was always. Uh, the military out here because it was the most affordable housing. It was a reasonable drive to the military hmm. base. You could get there in like 20, 25 minutes. Okay. And it was cheaper than living in, in like the more expensive areas of Tampa. Mm-hmm. And so all my friends were always military brats, right? They were, you, you knew that if you had a friend that they could leave school for the summer and then they're not coming back in the fall. And so it's just the way that it was. But right. I always remembered that in every class, every year, there were a couple people whose dad ended up having to be in Korea for the military. And that was like the jackpot for us <laughs> yeah, because you could get everything cheap. You know, you could get just guest jeans for like five or 10 bucks there or whatever go. else. But I love like, so <laughs> I just love the counterfeit stuff and how they, 
try and make it look so like a couple years ago when we were on a cruise in Cozumel, Grayson's into like Gucci and Louis Vuitton and all of that stuff because that's that's what he does. He does his little st- his little stock X side hustle and he takes that money and then parlays it in to go buy nice stuff for himself that he knows that I'm not going to buy for him. And so um, we were in Cozumel. And he asked if, because uh, they had, they did have like one nice like mall, if you want to call it, that had higher end stores. And I, for whatever reason, I thought I had seen a Gucci store there, but it, because it, it, that wouldn't be uncommon to see in a cruise port, right? Yeah, no. The, if, if you go to the higher end place like right. Grand Cayman, whatever. So we get in the back of this cab and ask for Gucci. And that guy's, oh yeah, yeah, I take you Gucci, Louis V, no problem. So we get in there, and he takes us down to this freaking flea market. It is nothing but fake stuff as far as you can see, man. And That's I just awesome. sat there and laughed. Yeah, you can't do it, especially if they're bad knockoffs. You can't be mad. You just got to laugh about right. it. Right. Oh, yeah. So, and the thing is, like, speaking of that, when we were in Key West last weekend, and then we'll get on task, but I always have to tell a couple stories. When we were in Key West last weekend, I went. We went to this Mexican joint. Saturday night, we decided for the first time ever we would do a sunset cruise. So we paid for this sunset cruise, which was an interesting experience in and of itself. It wasn't a party boat, but it was a lot of people crammed on a small catamaran eating lukewarm cheese in marginal wine. <laughs> right. So that that was. And, and by the way, overcast, no sunset. I'm you know I'm I'm amped up. I'm thinking we got the Sahara dust cloud check, so the sunset's going to be absolutely amazing. And then it was overcast and even rained a little bit, and it was too windy. So we just stayed and basically drove around in circles while not this guy, everybody on the boat was getting hammered on wine. And it's just like, this is not what I was thinking. So prior to that, we weren't going to eat a big dinner because we weren't sure what we were getting into. We go to this Mexican joint in Old Town because they have really good chorizo queso. By the way, fantastic. Yeah, It's so good. Chorizo, poblano peppers, melted cheese, like the whole thing. I would just punch somebody in the face to get it. But the waiter that we had was by far the single most stoned employee at work I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) This guy, this guy took my drink order three or four times, every time as if it were the first. And Annie's getting irritated, and I'm like, oh, no, this is classic. (laughs) This is so bad, you can't even be angry at it. Like, this is such great material. Let's watch how he interacts with the other tables. Let's see how he talks to the other people and and figure out what's going on here. Oh, my goodness, man. When I tell you, I was, like, beside myself laughing. It could have been. It reminds me. That makes me think of uh, Andy Milanakis in in Waiting, where him and uh, what's his name? His name in that is, like, T calls himself like T-Bone or T- oh, T-Dog, I think is what it is. But him him and the other kid are just getting absolutely roasted in the freezer. And <laughs> they're the dishwashers. <laughs> so good. Yeah. So prior, too old for you, but um, Steve Martin had a stand-up show that came out on Showtime in like 1984 or 85 called An Homage to Steve. And they had a short film before it called The Absent-Minded Waiter. That's exactly who this guy was, except he was stoned. He just nice. he wasn't forgetful. He was stoned. <laughs> so anyhow, we are going to talk about how to use email in your agency from a marketing perspective. And we're going to cover a bunch of different things. We can talk drip campaigns. We can talk about automated emails to follow up marketing drops. We can talk about using paid email services. Talk about the structure of what an email should look like. But I know Stephen has had very specific success with this 
using a paid service and then ultimately learning from that paid service and just doing it himself. And I think sometimes that's, that's, that's the way to go, man. You know, I, I've thought about that before there. I can't tell you the number of times that I pay for a service on a year to year basis or whatever else. And over time you learn it so well that as long as you have the capacity, you don't need the paid service to do it for you anymore. And in fact, in many cases, could probably take what you learn from watching how they are successful and specifically what that approach looks like and then sort of mimicking that and training people. You could train a VA to do it, truthfully, if you had the language right. Yeah. So talk a little bit about that, Stephen. Talk, talk about how you use email in your agency right now and then we'll share some things that we're doing in florida risk i think we probably have shared most of them before but i'm interested mm-hmm. specifically in your take yeah i mean i think for anybody that's not doing is foolish you know and i know some people that probably gawk at it or don't think it's a good choice but it's easy to do it's not hard um you got to have the mindset that you're not going to get everybody with it you know you're just not i'm the one that gets the emails and i delete them half the time so i'm that way as well but mm-hmm. it does work i mean i i've this year alone, I can count a, a good amount of revenue that we've gotten from this. Um, now, of course, they don't always get the sale. It's more of getting the appointment, if you will. But, you know, I guess it was a little over a year ago, we hired a company um, that focused on this. And their strategy was very, it was all about the content and how they wrote the content in these emails to get people to reply. Um and they talked with us kind of what our goal was, who we were looking to target, um, how we kind of, you know, what our angle was, what we could provide. And then they would send us copies. They'd have these copywriters write them. they send us, say, what do you think about this one? Uh, does this sound right in regards to what you're wanting to offer? Uh, and we'd tweak it. And then they'd send them out and we would base on, you know, we'd look at the campaigns and see how they were doing and tweak them and write them. And, I mean, they would switch them up. You know, basically for every campaign, they'd have first email, they'd have second email, they'd have third email, fourth email, and then kind of move on. Um, but each email they were sending was just a follow-up to that one, kind of touching base on that first one. And it was witty. They were all witty. Um, and the, I think the very last one or the third one, I can't remember, was if they hadn't responded yet, was uh, kind of a multiple choice question uh, email of saying, you know, you know, A, not interested, B, you know, but they kind of put it like, say, like in sports terms, you know, they'd say, you know, uh, A, not interested, you know, I'm a Cubs fan because we're from St. Louis area, uh, you know, like D would be interested, but not right now, uh, Cardinals trying to make the playoffs, something like that. They'd iterate the stuff that would get people to reply. Um, we used them for a while. We, we got a, we got probably got about, probably about two to three appointments a, a month out of them. And by the time our, our contract was up, uh, we hadn't written anything yet, but there were some things in the works that I just wanted to kind of try it on my own at that point. Cause I, I had seen the emails. I had learned it just kind of how they structured them and wrote them. Now they had access to way more data than I have. Um, so that was kind of their, their, their big plus. Um, but I did, I tweaked them. I started my own campaigns in regards to our little niches that we use, uh, or that we go after. And, God, that was back in March that I started on my own, and I count probably about, I'd probably say somewhere in the eighty to 90000 of revenue that we've gotten from those email campaigns since we started doing them on our own in, I guess, probably April is when I launched doing it. So, Not bad. It, it, again, it, it works. They, they get the appointments for us, just like anything else. And uh, at least keep the dialogue going uh, with these people if they reply. Again, you're not going to get everybody. No. Um, 
you shouldn't have that mindset. Talk a little bit about cadence, Stephen. Like, you know, this is not, I would assume, you know, just understanding sort of the framework of, of how you've operated with a paid service in the past, but talk about the cadence of that and the number of emails that it takes before you get success and how you sort of lead them to get to where you want them to be. Because you're not going to get everybody the first time, but that doesn't mean you quit, right? Now, you quit if they opt out, but right. the overwhelming majority of people never opt out of the emails, right? So it's only a matter of continuing to to market to them until you find that message that's going to resonate. So I'm interested in, um, you know, what that looks like from your perspective. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it, it's you just kind of just ones that are opting out, they opt out, but you just continue your campaign the same. You don't even focus on it really that you had one dropped out. You just continue and you have it set up to where. You know, this is how my first email is going to be written. This is how the second one is going to be written. This is how the third one is going to be written. You know, at the end of the, let's just say you do it on four emails and then you kind of stop the campaign just to not bombard them, but then you're going to start it up in a month or two again. Then you maybe change the tone because what you were saying on that first email, you know, our campaigns, the way we're doing it is there's a specific aspect that we're hitting up because it's going to resonate with some people. It's not going to resonate with all. Um, so the second time we go back through it, we're going to kind of hit another topic, uh, approach to it that the people that we were hitting the first time that think would reply to it, isn't going to affect them, but it will affect other ones. So it's no difference than cold calling. It's no difference than, you know, uh, doing some drop-ins. You're going to bring up a point that you're going to think might affect, uh, or might be a hot topic for them. Um, and again, if you, you can by the third one if you're asking them for an aspect of uh, of you know hey follow up later or not interested now or you know give them these multiple choices some will reply to that with hey you know not I'm too busy right now type of thing you know call me back later now you got a little dialogue right. going with them and you can mock it up and I'll follow that up with a phone call at that point if they say hey touch base with me you know mm. first of the year okay I'll touch base with I'll make a phone call then at that point so it's more about getting those dialogues, getting those conversations started with them and opening up them to uh, to you a little bit more and introduce yourself. I mean, if you're not, it's kind of the out of sight, out of mind thing. You know, if you're not out in front of them, uh, just like we were talking about in the last one about, you know, there's a reason why that agent got called in when the policy renewed in February, there was probably some underlying issue going on. Well, those things pop up and you could send that email at the right time and they're like, hey, you know what? I, I want to talk to this guy because I got this issue going on right, right now, and, and I think you can help him. So, it's there's no easier way to get out in front of people than besides with emails. I feel like on a constant basis. I'm sure. Well, here's that, what I uh, like about it, man. Go ahead, Kyle. Go. Ahead. I was I was gonna say that you know, in doing the work with the company that you use, they you know, you picked up on a lot of tips t as to how to structure the email, which you've talked about. You know, kind of asking them some questions and and the cadence of that. What about the subject line? Was that uh, was was that something that that they were like, hey, this is how the subject needs to read in order to grab their attention? <laughs> like, what happens if you put something like, "I have nude pics of your wife" in the subject line? That gets open one hundred percent of the time. Uh, yeah, yeah, that'll get a true story, man. True story. Uh, yeah, no, one of the best pieces of marketing I've ever seen in my life was at the corner of the two roads that lead to where to the road that I live on, and it was a big neon green sign that said "Free Sex." And underneath it, in parentheses, he said, just kidding, but we are having a garage sale. Come to this address. Like, who didn't look at that? 
I don't advocate you put free sex in your email. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> no. But, but, what? No. Uh, yeah, those, those, those subject lines. Of course, you don't make it the stupid, hey, you know, touching base, that type follow of thing. Follow up, no, yeah. <laughs> they did make, yeah, yeah, follow up. They, made, they did make them um, eye-catching. Uh, and I've seen emails, for, I, I know I'm getting emails from them that somebody's paying to to use them for because I kind of see the same aspects mm-hmm. that they use. Uh, you know, like one uh, one that I can think of off the top of my head that I've used is talk soon, just question mark, and then that's it. Um, and, and the open and they base their open rates, you know, they look at them off of that and kind of structure. So they've got a whole bunch of different ones that they've used. I've kind of tailored mine. And I haven't used them exactly identical to theirs. Um, I don't want to steal any of their, you know, their stuff. One that I've used, and, and obviously everybody knows, as we talk about it all the time, that we lead with workers comp here at Florida Risk. So one that I've used that I've had some success with is is um, your workers comp renewal. Just something simple, like especially if it's coming up, like that's going to grab their attention. They might even think that it's from their agent and it's their actual renewal. And so they're clicking on it. And and that's the first step to all of this, right? Is to get them to open the email. And then from there, the way that you have it structured, you can set that up to something that might be a little bit more eye grabbing for them. But I think the subject line is something that people focus so much on the body of the email a lot of times and don't give enough love to the subject. And that could be the whole reason that people aren't responding to your email communication at all. Yeah. I mean, like that's the same thing with, with, uh, with workers comp. That's, you know, I've said it before and I'll say it again. That's, that's one of our major focuses and majority of our list, if it's not a niche is, is something to do with higher mods. And, um, you know, our subject line mm-hmm. will, will hit on that very heavily. Um, just to reiterate, because we know that they have it. We know they have a high mod. We, you know, everybody that we are really working on, we will go and we will pay the $6 through CCI to get their mod number uh, and keep yep. track of it. And um, so, yeah, we're... So something like experience mod increasing mm-hmm. or something yeah, like that? or high mod question mark. Yeah. Um, you know, anything just to grab right. your attention quickly, that, that'll hit a like, note with them. Cool. I also, one thing that I started doing too, just to touch on it, just like a, like a, cause it's, it takes time obviously to sit there and write a bunch of emails. So one thing that I've done is, um, I've made it an email signature where I, where I can just change a few words here and there based on the client or the carrier or whatever. But if I'm doing, if I'm doing an email blast to, uh, prospects that are using a specific carrier, I just click on my carrier specific, you know, email signature. It, it, pops right into the body and all I've got to do is maybe change dates that I have in there um, that I'm trying to set the appointment on or, or just the name or whatever. But that's something that I've, that I picked up on that helped me save some time. So maybe it can help some other people. Yeah, we have, we have different divisions in our agency as well too. One that's called work compology, which is of course just focused on work comp and high, high mods Mm -hmm. issues with that. And then we have our risk pilot uh, solutions uh, uh, niche as well too. and we have logos for all those. So we have different signatures for all those as well. And I'm the same way I have mm-hmm. it set up to where if I'm hitting pilot manufacturers, I'm going to hit that pilot risk solutions signature just to reiterate yep. more. Uh, it's the, the purpose of it. Cool. Yeah. I think there's other important ways that you market, you know, for emails though, you know, a couple of them that I think of off the top of my head and we went pretty long on the last one. So I want to be respectful of Steven's time today, but, um, you know, one of the things that I want to, that I think is important is, A, how do you follow up on cold call marketing drops? 
right? So you go do the drop. For us, it's an automated sequence. We just pop the date in, whether or not the decision maker was was uh, met, and then depending on how that goes, yeah. the CRM fires off automated emails about that. A couple of days later, they haven't opened it. Different set of emails go out. All of those things. So, um, you know, that's one piece of it. The other piece of it is, and I think one thing that's more important is claims, right? So with claims, how often are we, like when a client immediately reports a claim to us, what are we doing? Like what kind of email communication are we getting out? Are we using video in it? How are we setting their expectations? Because I think that using email in that way is extremely important because the one thing you have to be careful of when a claim happens is making sure your client knows you're an advocate, right? You're an agent, you're the middleman, you're the conduit, you're not the carrier. And so if they're having issues getting communication from the carrier, they're not getting results that they need, you need to make sure they understand that you're not them. The, the carrier and and you're not all but you're also not the client you're not always going to get the same communication you're not always going to know exactly what's going on depending on what it is i mean if it's something workers comp related for us we're going to get adjusters notes and all of that stuff we have a process that we're on top of that but more for smaller commercial homeowners things like that i think that a lot of company a lot of agencies lose business because the client doesn't understand that that agent can help them and mm -hmm. they tie them to the carrier and as a result they think they have to leave the agency or they get mad at both the agency and the carrier and they leave due to a bad claim uh, situation. I think if you have an automated email set up as part of your claims process, just to say, hey, look, and to me, I would do it in video. Look, this is probably one of the very few times you've ever had to deal with this, if not the first time in your life. And I want to make sure you know we've got you taken care of. We are here for you. We are not going to always know everything you know because the adjuster will communicate directly with you from the insurance company. Now you're gonna hear from somebody more than likely 24 to 48 hours, but we've already set up a task in our system that we're gonna follow up in 48 hours just to make sure that all the initial communication has happened, information has been swapped, all of that stuff. So that's the road that I wanna go down. Um, and I think that's a huge deal. I think the same thing happens when, and by the way, probably should go ahead and ask for an NPS, ask for a net promoter score at that time. How did we handle the claim? Find out where your clients are in that process and then do the same thing when the claim closes out. If everything was satisfactory, you did all your role, everything else, get client feedback on that stuff. Yeah. But the, the, the main thing that I like about email is the same reason that I like Marvin because it works in the background. I'm not doing anything, right? I'm going to consciously go after the prospects that I want to go after, the suspects that I want to go after, and do everything I can to initiate those conversations. And so email is just one of those ways that you're using another tool to blanket the masses. I'm not going to send an email out to 25,000 businesses and expect to get even 1,000 responses. If I, you know, if I get a 1% to 2%, if I get a 2% open rate on 25,000 emails, that's 500 people that opened that go. email, right? Right. That's only one to 2%. Yep. Exactly. And then if I have another group that clicks through, what does that look like? And I mean, that's why you use it. I think so many times we get caught up thinking, 
it goes back to what I say before. If you want the appointment, ask for the appointment. Don't sell the insurance asking for the appointment because you're going to talk yourself out of a deal. I think emails very much the same way. Set it up for exactly what you want it to do for you, but you're not going to close the deal over email. Like very, very rarely, unless you've got a very targeted email marketing list. Like if I want, if I've got a quote bind issue product for personal trainers that has all the bells and whistles on it, and they have to have coverage because they're a 1099 for a gym. I can market to that entire list, drive them to a landing page because I want them to enter their information, get a quote, pay for it, buy the policy and issue it. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about nurturing campaigns, whether it be drip email, whether it be follow up for um, marketing drops, because you know, I mean, everybody knows you have to have what, five, seven, 10 touches before somebody's going to become open to talk to you or become mm-hmm. your client or at least go down that road. And you're not ever going to, it's going to take you a lot longer to get those touches if you're only counting a touch as an actual human phone call that you only, that you're the only one who makes or a one-on-one email that you're the only one who sends you know or a marketing drop you have to be doing all of these things and i think from my perspective we did a really good job with that or and, and do a good job with that at florida risk you know, with the email piece, we've had that on lockdown for a couple of years now. When we added Marvin at the beginning of this year to try and comp- combat some of what we were running into for not being able to cold call due to COVID, that just made us that much stronger. Now we've got email clicking, we've got Marvin clicking, and we can really hone in on who it is that we want to consciously spend our time on. And even better, how are you people using your analytics? Are you look? I mean, don't don't let it stop at the open rate. Don't let it stop at the click through. Look at your Google Analytics or whatever web analytics software you have and find out where are these people going with this email? What pages are they visiting on our site? Are they clicking buttons that show buying behavior like a pricing button or whatever else? These, you know, It's not just send the email and pray and hope somebody calls you. It, there's a lot of intelligence that goes into marketing the right way. And that's where you have to, you know, sending the, Emails where it starts. All the other stuff is where you really have to dive deep. And here's a fun fact. Your competition's not taking the time to do it. Period. They're just not. No. You know, I, I have a friend who's uh, he's in a different industry, but they use Zoom Info. And uh, I've looked at Zoom Info before. It's not cheap. Um, but again, it's relative to, I guess, cheap relative to, to what you get out of it. But um, you know, on that Zoom info, and I've sat in with them, and, and I've looked at it with them, and, and it tracks. You know, it, it can let you know when when people in a certain industry, say you want to go after something, are going to web pages and googling. You know what you offer, and you can contact that person right away. Again, so there's there's that's a different avenue to do as well too. They're in that buying mode. They're in that research mode, and you might be able to get to them before mm-hmm. they could get to somebody else. Um, you know, I to me, I thought about. I don't know on uh, you know large uh, accounts that we go after. If if I don't see them just going to Google anyway and searching in, you know, new insurance pilot manufacturers. The smaller ones, sure, but the larger ones, no, I, I don't. I if, if that's industry wide or just anything in general, that industry that's just large account, I I feel like they just don't go that way. But if that's what you focus on, small commercial and you can make a good living off it, then by all means, I think that's a good avenue. Yeah. What else? Anything? Can we, can we bring anything else to the table possibly? I don't think so, man. I think it's pretty solid. You know, I, mean, I, think we I, I like keeping it of, simple, man. I don't want to give yeah. people, you know, seven or eight things to work on. If we can keep it under that, I think it's good. It's retainable. Yep. Cool. 
Take us home, man. You're not surprised now. You got your Jordans on. Not surprised. You know, I I don't have them on yet, but I'm going to. (laughs) I will say this. Listeners, if you like this podcast, if you could go ahead and give us a review, throw some likes on that bad boy, that would help us out. We appreciate you guys. We love having you, and we're thankful that you listen to us. We hope you have a great weekend. Yeah, we're going to let the beard out of of the cage more often, too. What's that? I said, we're going to let the beard out of his cage more often, too, man. I mean, I, I've had I trimmed a positive it, I, feedback. I, I, I trimmed about, it a yeah. few weeks ago, and I feel like I lost at least half of my powers. Well, no, I mean, after you were on the Insurance Guys podcast, I've had so many people hit me up telling me what a freaking rock star job you did. By the way, people, the other thing is, if cool. you want to <laughs> get involved in a community of high-level producers that have the ability to make your game stronger than it is, but you don't want the full killing commercial experience because those people are a special breed and only limited numbers can be part of that. But we've put together the Power Producers Mastermind. Check it out. You go to killingcommercial.com forward slash the Power Producers Mastermind. And it'll give you a little more information on the group that we started. And we're making waves over there too. We uh, we already shared on the last uh, episode that the guy that was in there literally signed up, came in, and within one week, boom, there 55 G's in premium that he was not expecting to get. So come and see us. Have a great weekend, everybody. And and pretty soon, pretty soon, Christian Delosier will be in there. You get to talk to him. I mean, come on. <laughs> oh my God, yes. How did we forget? By the way, is there anything more epic than Christian Delosier's <laughs> Facebook profile picture wearing that big fur? Well, that was in Vegas jacket the, in the yeah, ice bar. Yeah. God, it was a conference we were at last year, and he he took it and he texted it out to everybody, and then he made it that, and it's never left. I actually have seen a full version yep. that has both Scott Howell yep. and Bradley Flowers also <laughs> in those white fur jackets. And it reminds me of the Chevy Chase movie Spies Like Us when I see them wearing all of that heavy fur. So anyhow, look, we could talk about 80s movie references for the rest of this. Everybody have a great weekend. We will catch you next time. See ya. listening to power producers shop talk you can follow us at the power producers podcast on facebook and instagram and if you want to take your game to the next level check out our commercial insurance training course at killingcommercial.com or visit amazon to pick up a copy of our international best-selling book the extra two minutes